0: You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium Games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Verse Start Citizen podcast with your host, solace and I hope this finds everybody well on this fifth episode of our show, and it's, it's kind of a special one. Um, in five episodes, that's five weeks, we cover our first month of being live and doing what we're doing. So this is going to be a little bit of a different start to the show. Um, our community spotlight will be a little different. It'll be about you, the listener, and if you're on YouTube, the viewer. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different. And it was also kind of a quiet week uh, for CIG and Star Citizen, uh, which I think they needed. I mean, since going live four episodes ago we have had non-stop major bombshells of releases patch notes things that went well things that didn't go well uh, we had a, a free flight event that ended as of this morning so it's just been non-stop and hopefully now is like a good season to take a breath I know CIG is, I know personally I am, I'm actually enjoying the game, um, with not a lot of concern. Again, I, I need to knock on wood, um, before something really, really bad happens, (laughs) uh, like 3.18.2 comes out. Um, but until then, um, it is, it's been a really good last couple of weeks. Um, we've progressed from the disaster. I'm going to call it a disaster of 3.18.1. I think there's been some really good lessons learned. I'm sure that team has grown, um, in analyzing their, uh, dumpster fires, right? Every organization does that. I'm sure they did too. Um, so without further ado, a little disclaimer for today's show, we are in a severe thunderstorm, uh, in Austin, Texas. I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing a green sky. I mean, the the sky hasn't stopped flashing lightning. So if I can get through this, that'd be amazing. Otherwise you might hear some background noise. Um, just bear with me, as this is a podcast. So, and we're doing this live. Not a lot of post editing uh, can be done. So, bear with me. So, let's get into what to expect from today's um, today's show. So, um, in this week um, on Beyond the Verse, we will again have a community spotlight that will highlight you, the listener, you, the viewer. Can't wait to get into that. Stay tuned. Um, in this week. In Star Citizen, there was a hint dropped about 3.18.2, which is currently live in the PTU. So you can go into the PTU and test it out, live it and breathe it. Um, please do so that we can get traffic in there and we can get some more lessons learned quicker. So please do that. There's a hint about the return of Xeno threats, um, which I guess I could go ahead and get into. Yeah, I might as well. I might as well go ahead and get in this. So let me screen share real quick straight out of the Galactopedia, which I will always do as a content creator. I will promise straight from the source, I will never go through another like third party or another content creator. Here is the kind of description of Xenothreat. Um, Xenothreat is a human outlaw group based in the Pyro system. So for those of you who might already know might not pyro is going to be the 4.0 launch Um, so they're kind of hinting at this pyro movement we have a couple of um, roadmap roundups that deal with the pyro system as well so stand by on that Um, but It's a human outlaw group based in the pyro system that is known for a violently anti-alien and anti-corporate ideology. Law enforcement believes that the group is primarily formed by corrupt ex-members of the United Empire of Earth military. Now, we're not there yet in our lore crawl. We're still at the point where it's the United Nations of Earth, UNE. We'll get into the formation of the United Planets of Earth uh, later at the end of this this uh, podcast, so we're not in the UEE yet, standby, most of its criminal activity was concentrated in the pyro system, which is an unlawful um, governance of a system, until 2949, now that's very recent, right, 2949, that is four years ago, Um, in current year, it's 2953, so 2949, four years ago. When systems connected to Pyro, such as the Stanton and Terra began to report on raids led by members of Xenothreat. In 2951, two years ago, Xenothreat launched an organized raid into the Stanton system that was eventually repelled by a combination of Navy advocacy and CDF forces, which is us. We are the Civilian Defense Force. So, pretty cool. I just wanted to kind of go straight and there's thunder. Yeah, we're doing this live, guys. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to go straight into that um, because it it was dropped in this week in Star Citizen. So before I go there, let's go to the rest of the agenda. Uh, Clickety-click-click, boom, all right. Um, And then we're gonna get into the bi-weekly Star Citizen Roadmap Roundup where we do discuss two new pyro outfits along with three new missions. And then we'll end the show going into a lore deep dive. Um, it's, it's the next, like, 40 years. If you've been kind of tracking along with the last couple episodes, um, we're now in the mid of, of the 2500s, right? So 2500s, right in the middle of it. We've got six articles. Uh, five. We got five articles that we're going to go through, um, which covers the discovery of Terra, um, the formation of the United Planets of Earth, the Xi'an Empire and them kind of starting uh, a war with us by capturing 276 of humans. We'll get into that in a second. Um, the discovery of the Tavarin, which is a huge piece of the lore of Star Citizen. And then we'll end, um, not to like spoil anything, but because of terrorist attacks, there is this idea of a military leader that will take over all of the governance of of what we're doing the the uee or the upe at the time so some really cool interesting things to cover at the end of our show caveat If you are watching on YouTube and you come back and watch this on YouTube in the description below, I build out a table of contents. So if there's a section that interests you more, feel free to go into the description table of contents and click on the link that pertains to your interest. Feel free, you're not hurting my feelings. This is made for you. It's made for you and what you're interested in. So there you go. Before we get into all of that, I I wanted to highlight last week's episode. So if you're interested, this is your first time listening to us uh, and you're wanting to dive into the last episode or maybe previous episodes just quickly, we always do a community spotlight. And last week we uh, highlighted Joran. So Joran, having basically created Bar Citizen, or ran with Bar Citizen and grew it to what it is today. Um, The Yacht Club, the 890 jump club, uh, like the discord community. So that was an amazing 30 minute conversation that I had with Jordan. So shout out to him, shout out to his organization. I watched the, uh, I watched the Twitch uh, live stream last night where they had Galactica, uh, the community manager or social media manager. Really great conversation, had a lot of fun. Also, last week we discussed the Lord Portfolio Drop of Widow. Um, we talked about the Squadron 42's roadmap roundup, along with the 318 launch that happened the night before. Like it was basically real time. And then this free-fly event that I alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. Last, the lore deep dive that we talked about last week was the first in space. So the formation of the UNE, the first contact that we had with an alien race, the Banu, uh, with an alien named Jerry. Uh, And then we ended with the RSI's campaign of getting uh, like a mass transport of humans off of planet Earth. In between then and now, and, and I do this before all of my podcasts I will always ask like a poll on twitter it usually has to do with the episode before or something leading up to the episode prior or uh, 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 now the current the current episode um and last week i asked which ship are you taking advantage of during this this free fly event now i excluded the hover quad because that's a that's a ground vehicle so i kind of Put that aside. And I just focused on the Nomad, the Razor, the 100i and the Mustang Alpha. And out of 57 votes, it actually came out in that order. So Nomad got 43.9% of the votes. The Razor got 29.8% of the votes and the 100i got 17.5, 17.5% 17.5 of the votes. And last, the Mustang Alpha got an 8.8% of the votes. So I think that's interesting. I love bringing in kind of the community, uh, like feeling or their opinion or kind of what they're thinking <clears throat> with these with these with these polls. What is interesting about the Nomad for me? Uh, it was actually the first time I've ever flown the Nomad. I've always kind of bypassed it in the store whenever it came on for sale. Um, it seemed like it was a. a, a a bridge between like your basic starter ship, like the solo um, f- flyable ship, right before you hit like the Cutlass Black. So it has like a an elevator storage in the back where you might be able to put like the smallest of small vehicles. Maybe it's enough to put boxes on. Like I know you can do box missions, but it, it's it, again it's this hybrid of like a starter ship and the Cutty Black. Didn't really. Uh, attract me and how I how I play but I did test fly it and it's not a bad ship it's not a bad ship I, I actually I actually enjoyed it um, it's a little wonky um, you don't have access to your garage from the inside you have to leave the ship go around the back and access your garage from the back it's a little little wonky um, and it also hovers which I don't really necessarily have a problem with but aesthetically for some reason I want my ship to land like I want the feet to come out and actually make purchase with the ground I don't I don't know why but that's just an aesthetic thing that that got to me so I thought that was interesting the Razor made sense because racing right racing is uh is a thing right now in 318.1 so the Razor made sense that a lot of individuals would be racing with that vehicle the 100i and the Mustang Alpha yeah those are basic starter ships so it played out Right where I thought it, where I thought it would. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into, uh, the community spotlight. So I usually do this like cool little sound effect. Um, I'm going to pass on that because this is not about something external. This is about you as a listener or as a viewer. Um, I want to humbly take this moment and say, thank you. And I can't, I can't stress that like sincerely enough. I really do appreciate it. After four episodes in just a month, um, we are growing at a faster pace than any of the initiatives I've been a part of in the last eight years, and that's because of y'all. This welcoming community. Um, this, this, uh, I, this willingness to be interviewed and have a conversation with me. And I just wanted to share some of, of the stats. So again, the main purpose of this show is podcast. I record it on YouTube so that I can take little snippets and put it on social media. Um, and then hopefully like one day this will grow into a, a dialogue, a conversation, um, on YouTube chat, right? That's kind of that that's in in state. It's not the end state. It's an in state. Until then, I am fully focused on making this a an audio endeavor that is pleasant to listen to while you're running, hiking, driving, working out, whatever. So I focus on the podcast. I focus on the plays. I focus on the unique uh, listeners. And so let me just get into that a little bit. <clears throat> so our podcast has 82 unique listeners. And that's, that's special to me. Um, we're just under 100. And again, after four episodes, and a trailer, um, and again, like 30 days worth of social media, I'm very happy that we're close to 100. It means a lot to me. And in those 82 unique listeners, we, we are predominantly United States. Yep, that, that makes total sense. So 54% of that is the United States. But, but check this out. We also have listeners in Belgium, Australia, Canada, Germany, Russia, Sweden, and the UK. That's awesome. We can officially say that we have a global endeavor, and that is extremely humbling it gets better. We're on over 7 platforms of podcasting. So 29.11% is on Amazon Music, 20.25% Apple Podcasts, 19% Spotify, 10% web browser, 6% Downcast, 6% Stitcher, 5% Google Podcasts, 2.5% on Anchor, anchor.fm, and then 1.27 on other. So we're hitting a, a, a vast or a diverse population. And again, that's, that is, that's super interesting to me because we're engaging with, with different, um, different but similar tastes, right? Different uh, experiences and people all around the world listening in different ways. Um, and then I want to end with this. The age group is like really interesting to me. So 93% of our listeners are between the ages of 35 and 44. I don't really know why. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's um, like, I really don't know what drives that. I That's mean, interesting that it's on the older side. I say older. I mean, 35 to 44 is not necessarily old, but in that window, that's, that's awesome. And then the other 7% is between the ages of 28 and 34. So it's also interesting that we're not necessarily getting to the younger crowd, but it also speaks to maybe the nature of podcasts. I, I don't know how many 18 year olds are listening to podcasts. Um, so again, I just, I find that very interesting real quick. YouTube, not my endeavor, not like my main effort, but in YouTube, we have 272 unique viewers. Now to be fair, that's like anybody going in and clicking and being like, eh, clicking out. That's considered a uniquely a, a unique viewer, but Two hundred and seventy-two unique viewers, one point four thousand impressions. I'll take it. Seventeen subscribers. I'll take it. Hey, if I get one subscriber, I that's all I that's all I want. Right, all I want is to share my passion for this game with at least one of you. So it's really awesome to hear that it's it's reaching um, it's reaching further than what I had hoped for after only four episodes. So, all right. I digress. I I really do appreciate it. Everybody from the bottom of my heart. Um, it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I would do if nobody listened, but the fact that we do have you watching and listening means the world to me. All right. Enough, uh, enough love here. All right. So let's get into this week in star Citizen. So, um, I did it last week. I printed off sheets of paper so that I could still be engaged, you know, with chat. And so you might hear kind of paper rumbling in the background. That's all that is. Um, I'll listen to post-production and and see if it's, you know, if it's too much. But on Monday, uh, Freda dropped This Week in Star Citizen. So we're just going to read through some of it, some of the highlights, um, and we will wrap this up. So, happy Monday, everyone. Thanks to everyone who jumped into the PTU over the weekend to give 3.18.2 a whirl. We look forward to rolling this out to the live PU very soon. So, good job, Frida. Very non committal, <laughs> but exactly what I would expect, uh, which is obviously the right answer. Don't commit to a date until y'all are literally releasing it. So, It's very soon, y'all, very soon, and I actually don't doubt it. I would say probably in the next two or three weeks, we will have 318.2 out, and then 319's right around the corner, and what's after 319? Pyro 4.0. Let's go. For those of you who might have missed it, the Free Fly is in full swing through April 20th. Star Citizen is completely free to download and play, so invite a friend to join your adventures in the verse, but don't forget about the referral bonus. Recruiting a friend will grant you both a Kruger P-52 Merlin for free. Check out the free fly referral bonus link for details. Now, today is April 20th, so it's kind of worthless to talk about, (laughs) Uh, but the p52 merlin is a pretty badass ship i mean it's it it looks good um it's something oh i'm gonna lie here i think it's either the p52 merlin or the archimedes that is attached under the constellation i owe you as a content creator i owe you an answer uh to that so stand by (laughs) but anyways this is an awesome bug out ship i call them bug out ships it's Probably something in the in the military that I, I took with me, but it's like a it's like a ship that you would you need to get out somewhere and quickly and away. Um it's you're not gonna be able to put boxes on it. You're not gonna be able to really do mini game loops with it, but it's still a very a very fun ship to fly around from like point A to point B. So very cool. Hopefully some of you got that free ship. Lastly, tis the season for Bar Citizens. As we see events popping up all around the world, <clears throat> if you're looking to hang out with other Star Citizen enthusiasts in the flesh, you can check out BarCitizen.sc for a shindig near you. So a great time last week to have Joran on, right? Like this is his baby. And here we are promoting BarCitizen.sc. Um and on this Saturday, I'm going to do everything I can to be part of the Austin, Texas uh, Bar Citizen. Uh, Jake Acapella and Xylo are going to be there. So I'll try my best to be there. If you are listening to this podcast, watching it on YouTube, and you're in the Austin, Texas area, come join us. It'd be a lot of fun. They always are. Everyone I've been to has been amazing. Also, if you're hosting an event, don't forget to let us know and maybe your event will make it uh, as a stop on our Bar Citizen World Tour 2023 like Sacramento, California, which they just added. So like I said, you go to the website, you go to the map and you can see where these Bar Citizens are. I guarantee you're going to be able to find at at least one or two that are in somewhat of a driving range, right? Go, go do it. Lastly, rumor has it, That the return of Xenothreat is imminent. Be on high alert. We already discussed what Xenothreat is. Um, Again, it's a pyro-human gang that is anti-alien, kind of anti-corporation. So it's a gang, right? Um, So there's some in-game events that always happen when Xenothreat comes. It's exciting times. It's great for PvE um, or the trolls out there that that want to make it harder and so they turned it into a PVP event. I don't mean trolls in a derogatory sense, like that's that's the way the game is played. So go, go have fun. <laughs> However you want to. Go have fun. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh, today is Thursday, but there will be no Inside Star Citizen this Thursday. They're going to return with behind the scenes deep dives next week. So it looks like Inside Star Citizen returns next week. And then tomorrow on Friday, Elliot Maltby and the mission feature team will be back on star citizen live to answer questions from the community. And I actually have that link, uh, twitch.tv forward slash star citizen. And that is at 8am Pacific or 10am central. So I will be watching that tomorrow at 10am central. Have a fantastic week. See you in the verse Freja. So there you have it. There is. Inside Star Citizen, as I wad up my notes, boom, done. All righty, <clears throat> and and that's what I meant by it. It's kind of a short, uh, a short week. Not a lot happened outside of those uh, those announcements, which again is fine. I was able to get in game. My brother was able to get in, which I guess he's kind of uh, been part of every single episode up to this point. But he's been able to get in. Uh, we've been able to play together. Um, So all all that's been amazing. Here is something cool that I discovered as I segue into our lore deep dive. One of the things I got to experience in game, if you go to Microtech and you go to the star map, it's not even like trying to hide. Go to the star map and you're gonna find a location on the outer ring of Microtech that'll bring you into the INS Jericho this was cool. So I chose new Babbage as like my capital going into 318.1. It's just a beautiful area. I know like everything's happening in Crusader. So choose Orison, but I chose new Babbage. And so I, again, I just love parking my 890 next to a lake. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous loop, gorgeous experience. I digress. I opened up my star map, and actually my brother discovered it first, but we opened up our star map and we saw in the outer ring that this this new little dot formed um, and you could fast travel to it. So we went and we explored. I went in like a 350R. My brother was in uh one of his vehicles and we it's almost like uh it's almost like a Lagrange site. It's in the middle of a, a cloud, like a gas cloud. But there is the INS Jericho. And if you're tracking on Twitter. Um, I, I dropped kind of the lore behind it, um, but it is it's named after one of the generals or one of the commanders <clears throat> that gave up his life during one of the wars. And I, I don't want to go into too much detail because we will get into that in our lore deep dives, but it was just really cool to have this to have this pop up out of nowhere and have something to go explore. Now I encourage you. If you're bored in the game and you don't really know what to do and you've already done, you know, your loops that you that you want to do, there are YouTube videos all over the place that will give you locations of unique uh, locations, right? So, like, downed, there's, like, a, a a downed Idris or a kraken. I don't remember which one, one of them. Down on on Daymar. There are, uh, on the asteroid belt around... Um, Lyria. There is there's like a vending machine, like I don't know, weird little park thing set up. Like I I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird setup. Um but on on one of the random rocks, and it took my brother and I like thirty minutes to an hour to actually find where this was, but in these down times, like between 3.18.1 and 3.18.2, and you're kind of just waiting around, go do that, go explore, go get some screenshots, and then put them on social media. Tag me, tag Star Citizen, because that is what's building the community in this moment, right? Like, go explore, go have fun. Uh, But I think that's what broadens the scope and the dynamic of this game is everything else. Yeah, you can go and shoot somebody. Yeah, you can go and do, you know, some dog fighting. That's all cool. It actually is cool. It's a lot of fun. But I think the exploration piece is what makes this game so immersive. Alright, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this week's lore deep dive, which I am calling Chaos Through Expansion. Okay, the first article we go to is the year 2516 in the time capsule, A Better Earth. By 2516, the UNE had expanded into 12 systems. While jump points and data relays allowed for quicker travel to the systems on the edge, Earth was starting to feel quite far away. Weyton Song, one of the lead surveyors for the UNE's Project FARSTAR, came across a discovery in a new system and drafted a message with an interesting idea. To the UNE High Council, courtesy copy General Kelso Trask, Senator Patricia Oat, regarding Perspective System, Ladies and Gentlemen, As you know, my current assignment is to seek out and classify new systems for prospective terraforming and exploration. The latest system, 342 Alpha, that my team and I have discovered is located in what can only be described as a confluence, a nexus. We have already discovered four jump points in addition to the one we entered through with the possibility of a fifth on the horizon. I'm attaching a current map of the system in question with the zones still left for scanning as well as the already discovered jump points. One of the planets, 342 Alpha.03 Mike, is a super Earth. Scans and scouting missions confirm the presence of a naturally oxygen based atmosphere, indigenous vegetation, vast oceans, and temperate climates. Deep in the southern region, a scout team discovered remnants of a rock formation, indicating that they were arranged that way, but we have not discovered any indication of intelligent life. In short, I would like to suggest that 342 Alpha.03 Mike be established as a forward operating base for terraforming and expansion into the adjoining systems. The team has named the planet Terra, to honor its similarities to Earth. All of our current data and findings are included in this calm packet. I invite you to see for yourself. Sincerely, Wei Yin Song, Chief Surveyor, Engineer, Project Farstar. The UNE Congress approved the plan to centralize Eastern system operations out of Terra. Over the years, cities grew and a new culture was born in transmission. So this is the first mention of like expanding into the verse. Right? Like, we've talked about discovering the jump point um, in the triangle uh, next to Neptune. We talked about, you know, running into the Banu Jerry. We've talked a little bit about kind of the discovery, but this is the first time that a foothold is established on the eastern side. And eastern is in quotation marks. Obviously, you're in space. There's no direction in space. But easterly... You've got Terra. And this is going to be very important in the next four articles. So remember, 2516, Terra is discovered and a foothold is made to the east of Earth. It's very important. All right. Article 2. The year 2523, the three pillars announcer welcome back to the hottest current affairs show in the spectrum with our panel kyle black political analyst Sheldy chen bestseller author and speaker and ben feller futurist it's time for another showdown kyle so we're back to talking excuse me (laughs) doing this live kyle so we're back to talking about this new bombshell from the une they are going to restructure to what is it now upe ben united planets of earth Sheldy. what a ridiculous name ben come on it makes perfect sense We have a couple dozen planets that are approaching Earth-sized populations with more on the horizon. These people need to be represented. And seriously, United Nations of Earth is a little outdated. Kyle. From what we can tell, and they released a 1,500-page dossier outlining the changes, so we're still shifting through the details, but it looks like the setup is pretty much the same. Ben. Ben. It is. The Congress will now be made of delegates representing planets rather than the old outmoded nations. Outmoded nations? It's a better system. Kyle. What do you think about these new figureheads? A high secretary who manages infrastructure, a high general for military, and a high advocate for law. Ben. When a government has to manage the sheer number of constituents that, Sheldon, Sounds like a great setup for fascism. Ben, are you serious? Sheldy. anytime you focus the power from the many into the hands of a few, someone's going to learn how to abuse it. And also, how the hell did Robert Thorne make high advocate? The man is an idiot and should be thrown out of the office by a mob not promoted. He's not even a citizen. Kyle, Oh, stop. It's been proven time and time again that he... Sheldy, I don't buy it. His file could be doctored. Do you have any idea how easy... Kyle. Look, if it's that easy to break into Fed databanks, then everybody's citizenship standing is suspect. How can I really know that you're a citizen? Sheldy? Hey, I served my time in the Air Force and did twice the necessary community service to earn my citizenship. Look it up, you... F- Ben, right. Your parents didn't contribute at all. Sheldy, shut your f- mouth. Ben, f- you. Announcer, stick around for more showdown after these local commercials. That's really hard to do solo. <laughs> that's, that's really hard. Uh, first off, podcasting solo uh, is already hard as it is, but reading an entire like transcript, uh, you need to be like Matt Mercer, right? Critical role. You need to be Matt Mercer in order to make that, uh, work. So there you go. All right. So the key takeaway, the key takeaway from this, um, is the formation of these like three, three segments of power. And again, that is the high secretary who manages infrastructure, high general for military, and a high advocate for law that is also going to take a, a, a major uh, important role in the next couple of articles. But just remember those those three. Now, <clears throat> outside of the time capsule series, you can go and find out like who is in what role. Um, and there's like phases of leadership. Uh, but there's going to be... Uh, I'll kind of allude to it in 2546 there's going to be like a rise of one of those to rule them all. So again, very important. So you have again, recapping. <laughs> You've got the, the discovery of of Terra in the East where Earth puts their foothold. You have the formation of these three high positions that will now run the UPE, the United Planets of Earth. And that'll get us into the year 2530. Time capsule, the galaxy gets bigger. It was like the gold rush. Planetary prospectors were desperate to stake their claim on unformed worlds. Most followed the federal protocols. Others don't. Gaia, 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 Gaia planet services. We'll go with Gaia. Gaia. It's G-A-I-A. We'll go with Gaia. Gaia Planet Services attempted to terraform a planet without authorization. Turns out the planet wasn't uninhabited. A new race, later discovered to be the Xi'an Empire, showed up while the terraformers were building the equipment. Needless to say, they were a little perturbed. The Xi'an captured the entire crew and kept them under guard. They released one the foreman, Charles Baxter, as a gesture of good faith. Back on Earth, High Secretary Cho, High General Volder, and High Advocate Machado, along with a select subcommittee of senators, gathered to get a clear assessment of what happened from Baxter and what to do about the Xi'an. High Secretary Cho. If everyone's set, Mr. Baxter, please begin. Tell us about the events of that day. Baxter. I've been advised by the company's attorney. Hi, Advocate Machado. Mr. Baxter, this is not a criminal hearing. We are simply trying to get a clear picture of what happened. There are still 275 of your colleagues held by an alien civilization. Any help you provide us today will be taken into account when this crisis is resolved. Baxter confers with attorney baxter we were surveying looking for plant points to set up the equipment there were three transports scheduled to land so we were expecting to hear ships i was up i was up on a ridge when the first one came into view i knew immediately it wasn't ours human i mean it didn't look like any banu ship i'd ever seen but you know how they are hi secretary cho please stay on topic Baxter. Well, next thing we knew, they were all over us. Ships coming from all sorts of directions. Hi, General Volder. Didn't you run scans before landing? Baxter. Not really. I mean, I don't think so. Hi, General Volder. Don't you think it'd be wise before attempting to terraform a planet? Baxter. You don't know what it's like out there. You wait around too long, and some other corp will swoop in and process that rock faster than you can blink. High General Volder. While we appreciate your sociological insight, Mr. Baxter, we need facts, not hyperbole, if we're going to free the hostages. High Secretary Cho. General, we have not concluded that a military action is necessary. High General Volder. I understand, but we need to have a plan on the table to enact should the diplomatic solutions go sour. High Secretary Cho. Agreed. Please continue, Mr. Baxter. End excerpt. United Planets of Earth, military forces, maintain a perimeter at the jump point entrance. It took 15 days to work out a communication system to speak with the Xi'an. That started a tense negotiation period. The Xi'an were meticulous with their demands. By the time the hostages were released, over 57 days had passed. Though the United Planets of Earth had managed to avoid war, relations with the Xi'an were tense. In transmission. Okay, so let's recap one more time. We discover Terra in the East, quote unquote. So we set out to put a foothold in Terra. A couple of years later, we formed the United Planets of Earth because of our expansion, because we're growing, which created three figureheads. Now we just started some with the Xi'an race. <laughs> So we're expanding. We're causing some crap. It's about to get pretty interesting in space. Not so much about corporations mining minerals anymore. It's about to start becoming more about war and combat. Second to last article. The year 2541. Time capsule awfully crowded in my sky. As the united planets of Earth maintained a chilly tension with the Xi'an, near Terra in the east, we were still unchallenged in the systems to the west of Earth. That was about to change. The Tavaran were about a hundred years behind humans technologically. They were just starting to journey out from their homeworld of Kalith. The Tavaran adhered to a rigid warrior ethos, honoring duty and fealty as virtues. They were not a bloodthirsty species, they simply honored the art of combat. UPE System Designation Elysium Date of Discovery November 15th, 2541 Jump Point Nav Directions UL Keller Lynch System Assessment On Elysium 4, there is an indigenous species calling themselves the Tavaran. Though sentient and intelligent, they have not evolved to our level of technologically, our level technologically. Recommend that we establish contact and bring them into the United Planets of Earth. It is a wonderful opportunity to elevate the species into the modern era. The UPE reached out to the Tavarin. They weren't interested in establishing diplomatic relations or even our technology. They were interested in our systems. So the first interspecies war began, as most wars begin, over territory. As the Tavaran War began to swell, the military feared that the conflict in the West might embolden a Xi'an attack in the East and instituted a draft Fortunately, a young and ambitious officer, Ivar Messer, captured public attention when he distinguished himself in the Battle of Idris IV. The UPE quickly realized this and turned Messer into the face of the Tavaran War. We are now at war (laughs) with with, uh, uh, another species. So... Again, this is year 2541. We are currently playing Star Citizen in 2953. This is over 400 years ago. This means something. If you're into the story of Star Citizen, if you're into the story of Squadron 42, this is a very important article. It's the first time that humans are waging war Against another species. And we are now fighting a two-front war. We're well, about to. <laughs> Potentially a two-front war. We've got the Tavaran on our west in Elysium. And now we've got the Sheon in our east near Terra. I feel like this is a moment in like human history. It's kind of like that oh shit moment. <laughs> You've left Earth. You've made this massive uh, pull to be a part of 13 other systems. And, and now you're in this conflict, this military conflict. You can kind of start seeing where the combat elements of Squadron 42 and Star Citizen come. And let's get into our last article for the day. The year is 2546. A leader rises. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alyssa Jamali was running late. She had fallen asleep last night while working on her Kim homework. Now she had to dictate her poli assignment on her way to class. High General Messer had spoken at a memorial for the victims of the bombing attack on Sestilus, and Mr. Kent wanted a one-page summary of the speech. Dictation start. Alyssa Janali, Poli Kent, 45, Bravo, Charlie, Foxtrot. I don't know if that means anything. <laughs> Assignment. Messer speech. <clears throat> the systems are falling apart. Since the war ended, we are under attack from a new kind of threat... One that is not fought on battlefields or between carriers. This war is being fought in secret with threats of sabotage. That was the message eight months ago. Six terrorist attacks over the previous year had shaken everybody from the notion that the Tavaran defeat was going to lead to peace. People wanted answers, but more importantly, they wanted to feel like the tribunal was getting control. They got neither. The advocacy never caught the perpetrators. They only knew that the bombs had been made in part from Xian technology. Meanwhile, the tribunal debated a course of action to uh, to the point of inaction. So the systems were falling apart. The tribunal had failed. Humanity needed a leader. The solution: elect a new position, prime citizen to be a single voice, the deciding vote in an overwrought government. Citizens from all over the systems began to run for this new office. Every week, it seemed a new candidate would appear making the same promises. This went on for months. As an election drew near, High General Messer put his name forward as a candidate. He spoke last night at a commemoration ceremony for the victims of the fourth terrorist attack. People, citizens... I come to you today as a believer. I believe that we have a great and vibrant history. I believe that there are so many more wonderful things to discover. I believe in humanity. But there are enemies that want to cut us down, that resent our ascension, that want us to fall back from the stars. The vicious attacks on our systems are just the beginning. As a soldier who has stared into the horror of war, I don't say this lightly. We have to protect ourselves, protect our families, protect our future, protect our ability to claim what is rightfully ours. I don't want another war. Too many sons and daughters, husbands and wives have already been lost in the deep vacuum and barren planets. But I will say this. I would ring every system and every jump point with shields and wire a thousand kilometers thick if it meant we wouldn't have to lose any more. I have always been a soldier of humanity. Give me this chance to keep you safe, to keep the threats and violence of species not as civilized as us far away, so we can take our rightful place in the galaxy. Believe in me like I believe in you. Believe in humanity. The crowd loved it. Listening to this speech now, High General Messer speaks with a conviction that makes him easy to believe. In short... I think he's right. There's an inherent problem with three equal divisions of power. While it is preferable to have that discourse in times of peace, we are living in a dangerous time. Decisions sometimes must be made quickly and effectively. I know this sounds like the first step towards absolutism. But the system is still in place. The method that they are suggesting still maintains the High Secretary, General, and Advocate, and even the Senate, but they all advise the Prime Citizen, who then makes the ultimate decision. Like High General Messer said after introducing the Prime Citizen motion, every ship needs a captain. Apply edits and send in transmission. It's getting good. It is getting really, really good. Uh, Man, so much to unpack there. Um, So much to unpack. And I think if I were to summarize it, we ended up beating the Tavarn in the West. Um, However, that sparked terrorist attacks, which it's probably one of the worst things you could ever hear that they were using Xi'an technology to do so. Okay. Now you've got like a coalition of an enemy. You are already looking at like a two front war potentially, and you have evidence of them working together in order to cause terror in our governance, right? In our government. Huge, huge, huge break in in, and what we're trying we were trying to accomplish in the universe couple that with like the political issues of the tribunal right you have the three heads that now have a, a, a fourth head to like rule them all prime citizen some of you might already know the story If you're playing Star Citizen with both eyes open, you're reading kind of the posters on the wall, you're paying attention to some of the lore in the missions, you kind of know where this is going, and I don't want to spoil anything, but now's the time to get into beyond the verse star citizen podcast now's the time to get into when the story gets really awesome uh and and kind of gives us a reason to play it gives us uh an idea of pyro it gives us an idea of these other um the nexus it gives us the idea of these other systems and and why we should be concerned if we even should be concerned at all this is exciting And it's also exciting because we are so close to pyro. Like imagine for years now, we've only been in Stanton. Now Stanton's a beautiful system. We've had, you know, four planet systems within Stanton as a star system. It's been fun. It's been beautiful. We've been introduced to some of the alien races. Um, We've been introduced with the gangs, right? We know about Xeno threats. Um, But now we're getting into a second star system called Pyro. We got all these stories, all the lore that's coming with it as well. Now is the best time, in my humble opinion, now is the best time to really get into Star Citizen. And please join Beyond the Verse for all your lore needs. Um, I will round up this, uh, this lore deep dive by saying this. For the first five episodes, my goal has been laying out the timetable, this chronological order of milestones. So I've been reading you the the transmissions. I've been laying out what matters and why it matters. And so from the beginning, episode two, when we first started talking lore, all the way up to 2546, uh, I have provided enough information for us to know, like, the dominoes are set. They're set. Like we know that it's going to take a gust of wind to make it all go to crap. And it's going to go to crap very quick. I cannot wait until the next episode where we get into some of these dynamics. So until then, I hope this finds everybody well. This has been beyond the verse. I am your host Solus. until next week. You've been listening to Beyond the Verse, Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. Join our in-game organization, Soul Provision, by applying at www.robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash provision. You can get involved in the conversation with your questions, comments, or emotional outbursts by emailing us at starcitizenbtv at gmail.com. Watch us live on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central, at youtube.com forward slash at Star Citizen BTV. And follow the conversation over at Twitter and Instagram, both at forward slash Star Citizen BTV. Once again, thank you for joining us. We hope this finds you well. Until next time, safe travels as you traverse beyond the verse.